He's already been dead and it's messed with his head. It's John's post-life crisis. Welcome to John's post-life crisis. I am your host, John Johnston, manager, guy, founder of CornNation.com, your Nebraska Cornhusker site of much joy because it's a holiday season and we've had a shitty football season. Whatever. I, you know, I usually, I have to start, let's start over. I never say swear words on this podcast. Dang it. Okay. I've had that kind of morning. It's because you have a New Yorker on the, on the call. That's why I, br- I brought out the swear word on you. I, you know, I, I actually did have a conversation this morning about a New York consulting firm. That's been a large pain in my ass. So yeah, that is, that is actually true. Uh, okay. Three, two, one. Welcome to John's Post-Life Crisis. I am your host, John Johnston, founder, manager of CornNation.com, your Nebraska Cornhusker site of joy because it's the holiday season, not because of this football season. I am talking with Aaron Brightman, managing editor of On the Bank, SB Nation's Rutgers site. Uh, Aaron... First, the first thing we're going to start with is I, I, Nebraskans don't know much about Rutgers. I mean, really, you know, when it comes down to it. So could you explain the, on the banks, the name? Yeah. So uh, Rutgers is located uh, in central New Jersey and there's a uh, large river called the Raritan River. Uh, that basically runs through campus. Uh, Rutgers is, you know, the state university. There's five campuses, you know, all very close together. And the Raritan River runs through it. So um, the term on the banks is actually in the alma mater song uh, for the school. Rutgers is the eighth oldest, uh, you know, university in the country. So it's, it's, a, it's always been referred to as on the banks uh, when you're at Rutgers. So that's, uh, that's where the name for the site uh, came from. Wow. You know, at least you did that. I coronation. I was the dumbest name I could have possibly come up with. <laughs> I actually, I, I tell you what, I don't think I've ever told people this, but uh, the reason why I named the site coronation is because at the time we had an athletic director, you know, whose name I used to not mention, but I'll mention it was Steve Peterson. And I figured the guy was such a megalomaniac. He would go around and sue everybody that had Huskers in the name. So I picked the most generic name I could, which was also a really stupid name. Uh, so Coronation was born uh, like, I don't know, 14 years ago. Okay, Rutgers football. I'm sure you've, you can pass that bit of trivia on to excite people during your holiday parties. And I will. Zoom. <laughs> Woo. Okay, Greg Schiano has returned to Rutgers football. He's had an impact. I mean – Let's face it, before this season, Rutgers football, I don't know how many games you'd lost in a row, but you've, you've certainly won more games this season than Nebraska has with our native son, Coach Scott Frost. Uh, tell us about Greg Schiano. Were you happy to see him come back? What do you think of the impact he's made? And where do you think Rutgers is going to go from here? So to start, uh, yes, it was a 21-game losing streak uh, to begin this season. 
Chris Ash, the former head coach, uh, won three Big Ten games total in his four seasons. So what Shiano has done uh, this season has been nothing short of uh, remarkable. Uh, yes, I was definitely in the camp of the day Ash was fired. Uh, I said it, it has to go to Shiano. Uh, in terms of at least, you know, um, doing everything you can to sign him. And if it didn't work out, it didn't work out. But there was no better choice. Uh, and it's, it's funny now in a, in a pandemic world, uh, it's even more the case. But there was no one that could come to Rutgers and make the kind of immediate impact that he could uh, and has done. Um, just due to his credibility within the state, I know that, um, you know, other fan bases across the Big Ten didn't really understand, uh, you know, why Shiano was such a, you know, sought after name for Rutgers. But just based on what he did, if you think about, you know, the last 50 years, really, of Rutgers football, no one has been able to make them a consistent winner and recruit the state the way he has, um, you know, and, uh, and that was, that was the big draw, but his credibility within the state with high school coaches, um, what his credibility for, you know, building them into a consistent winner, uh, annual bowl team, albeit in the big East, not the big 10, uh, just, just, uh, gave a sense of, um, confidence among the fan base and, and united the fan base in a way I've never seen. Uh, you know, there was a campaign to raise over $300,000, uh, to hire him. I know that's, you know, kind of chump change, but for Rutgers, uh, traditionally a, a very small, um, lagging behind in terms of donors, uh, which has changed the last few years under Pat Hobbs, the athletic director. But um, my point is uh, when, when talks fell apart during the negotiations, the, the, the fan base had an uproar that I've never seen that kind of re restarted. You had the governor of New Jersey getting involved. Uh, that probably is normal for, for football crazy uh, Midwest, uh, but not, not New Jersey. Uh, so uh it made all the sense in the world to bring him back. He's probably established the best coaching staff uh, in program history, just in terms of, um, you know, skill, uh, coaching ability and recruiting. Uh, and it's paid immediate dividends. Um, he, you know, uh, Shiano's done a good job of bringing in a lot of Big Ten transfers from other programs that have made an impact. You know, Aaron Crookshank from Wisconsin, as you know, uh, obviously, Vidral from Nebraska. Um, and you have uh, Michael Dumfort from uh, Michigan, Brendan White from Ohio State. All four of those guys played at their schools and then came to Rutgers and have, ma have made a huge impact. Um, but the majority of the roster is still the same. Uh, and, and the player development that you've seen, in, you know, with no spring practice, no traditional offseason, uh, a truncated preseason in the middle of the school year, uh, what they've gotten out of these guys uh, has really been amazing. And uh, he's completely transformed the culture. Uh, they've gone from probably the softest team in the Big Ten, uh, just from a mental and physical standpoint, to uh, a team I think that no one really wants to play. Uh, extremely <laughs> tough physically and mentally. And, uh, you know, it, 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 mantras can be corny, uh, no pun intended on coordination, but... Um, uh, Keep chopping has been his mantra from his first tenure and the players have completely bought into it and they, they just don't quit. And they've, they, you know, they're certainly an example. Of, they're, they're not a good football team, but they're an example of the, the, all the parts of the, you know, the whole sum being better than any individual parts. And they've really gotten the most out of their team this season. So whenever I look at Rikers, I look at a school that has a lot of fractured, uh, 
a lot of split between the faculty, the academic side of the school and athletics. And the athletic department, we're constantly hearing about how broke they are. They don't have any money, how far in debt they are. And then the academic people come and pile on. Uh, I'm missing the name of the Rutgers professor there that wrote the book a few years ago about confessions of a spoil sport. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Explain to us, is that attitude correct about Rutgers that I have? Yeah, the school is kind of split. Yeah, there is a uh, kind of a, a split and divide. There was even um, dating back, you know, 20 years ago, uh, there was a petition uh, where the faculty wanted Rutgers to, uh, you know, join something like the Patriot League or, uh, you know, uh, they played teams like Colgate and uh, uh, even Princeton Ivy League teams uh, back in the 50s and 60s. And, and you know, uh, there was, there was a certain push to return to that. Uh, the faculty uh, has been very against the, the you know, spending money. Um, th- there's been a lot of short-sightedness in the value that the Big Ten brings to the university. Obviously, we know, you know, um, uh, uh, in terms of acclaim and, and uh, for the research side of things, uh, certainly benefits the school, um, but also just athletically, you know, name recognition, um, you know, People forget, but in 2006, when Rutgers had their best season ever and were, you know, in the top 10 and uh, the, the, the enrollment or applications for that, that, school, that following school year was like record breaking by like fivefold uh, from, from the past. So uh, there's certainly value to your sports and athletic department, uh, you know, having success. The new president, thankfully, uh, Jonathan Holloway, who comes from Northwestern. Uh, values and sees it that way as well. So that that's uh, been a loss for the academic side who have been, uh, we're hopeful the new president would see it more their way. But um, yeah, the, the, you know, the athletics department has been in debt for a while, uh, heavily subsidized by the state, certainly something that has to change. But, um, you know, part of that is as Nebraska fans know, you know, not getting a full share from the big 10 for a long time. Uh, it, that's been part of it too. So, uh, and, and Rutgers was, you know, Nebraska and even Maryland, you were much better positioned to join the Big Ten than Rutgers ever was, um, you know, in terms of a, as an athletic department success-wise, but also coming from another major conference. You know, the Big East was not what the ACC and Big 12 was uh, in terms of revenue share, but also just the infrastructure that Rutgers had facility-wise, um, you know, so many old buildings and, and, and athletic facilities that have been improved a lot the last few years. But Rutgers was, and, and I think the administration was kidding themselves, that they had no idea the commit level of commitment they needed to join the Big Ten. And I, I think that now you have an administration that understands it, and, and we're seeing the benefits of that. And I think Rutgers is as well positioned for success long term as they ever have been. But it's, you know, it's going to take a while. But, but having Shiano back, uh, has certainly aligned the alumni. Um, I think obviously donors have been down because of the pandemic, but I think, you know, with what you've seen on the field, uh, things are obviously going to, uh, you know, they're all, all in the right direction. I think uh, um, positivity is, is at an all-time high. Okay, let's, uh, let's switch to football. You guys picked up one of our guys, Noah Vedral, Uh, Very well loved in Nebraska. In in fact, Nebraska has been bad enough this year that people are like, well, they shouldn't have let that guy go to Rutgers. He got injured in what looked like a dirty play against Maryland last week where a guy twisted his ankle when he was laying on the ground. 
what do you think? Number one, what do you think of Vedral? And number two, what do you think of the play? Yeah, Vedral's been, uh, you know, it's been a little bit of a split on him just in terms of, uh, you know, he, he struggled a little bit in the passing game. He, he had some uh, turnover issues earlier in the season, but I think it's hard to um, let that negate all the positives that he's brought. Uh, you know, he, he's led the offense very well. He has a great understanding of the offense. This is Rutgers' 11th offensive coordinator in 11 seasons. So, um, you know, that's obviously been a huge issue. Sean Gleason, the offensive coordinator, um, you know, ha- has run a, a spread offense similar to, to what uh, Vedral was used to under Frost. Um, it's been different this year because Gleason's had to adapt to the personnel he's inherited. Uh, which was obviously a smart decision. It's, I don't think the offense is being run 100% the way it's going to be run long-term once they get their own players in. But uh, Vedro's done a great job in terms of just becoming a leader right away. Uh, you know, I've been very impressed with, with how he's handled himself. Uh, the players seem to love him. He's put a lot of, you know, the, the listen, he hasn't, uh, he's not breaking any records, but uh, we're talking about a Rutgers offense that scored 51 points in nine Big Ten games last year. You know, they've scored over 20 in seven of eight games. They're averaging close to 30 points a game. Um, he's he's certainly uh, made some throws that no Rutgers quarterback has made uh, really since 2014, their best season in the Big Ten with Gary Nova. So, um, you know, Vidral certainly has his limit, limitations, but I think that he's done a good job overall. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see what the coaching staff does in the off season in terms of if they bring in uh, another grad transfer or transfer uh, to compete. Um, and, and the former starter who came in in relief uh, this past weekend, Arthur Sikowski, certainly not uh, as good of a fit for the offense, but he has improved. So it's certainly not Vidral's, uh, you know, spot uh, long-term uh, necessarily, but I think, you know, he's, uh, the, the, he, he certainly held himself w- with class and I think, uh, he's well-respected and I think, uh, he, he certainly is a competent quarterback for them. Um, whether he plays this weekend, um, you know, Shiano was, uh, talked about it yesterday and they really don't know. He's getting a lot of treatment. I do agree. It was a dirty play. It was one of several, uh, that Rutgers took that the, um, uh, Ola Kunle, here's the name for you. Ola Kunle Fatukazi. Uh, the leading tackler in the country uh, goes by 03 on the defense. Um, he was he was also hurt on a dirty play uh, by an offensive lineman on Maryland. There were several dirty hits. Uh, Shiano would not discuss the dirty hits, but he did say it was the most he's ever been on the field during a game to check on players. Uh, so the health of Rutgers overall is a big question mark for this game, especially on short rest on Friday uh, to see you know who's going to be available. But um, it, I, obviously. Storyline wise, you know, you couldn't make this up with Vidral playing Nebraska uh, in terms of having an opportunity to play them. Um, you know, I, I, I we'll, we'll see what happens. But I think that if he does, if it's if it's pretty clear he's not physically capable, um, I, I think they'll probably make it a change pretty quickly. But, you know, for his sake, I hope he can start the game. Who, who is the, the next guy up at quarterback and, and what have you seen from him? So Arthur Sikowski, uh, he, he uh, was the starter as a freshman in 2018, got completely thrown to the Wolves, former four-star, traditional dropback passer, led the country in interceptions, uh, was improved last year. They brought in a grad transfer. He lost the job in the opening week, regained the job, looked pretty good. 
um, and then decided to redshirt after Ash was fired. Uh, he took a little bit of heat for that, but I, I think it, you know it's hard to fault a player for uh, looking out for his best options, especially when the interim coach, as uh, the offensive coordinator, was fired too. So they completely changed the offense literally from one week to the next. Uh, so um, you can't really blame him. He's had a great attitude, team first attitude, and he came in. Uh, he's had limited action all year, came in, uh, started for Verdral at Purdue, threw two touchdown passes early, and then Rutgers shifted to Johnny Langan, who is a third quarterback that they use in spot duty uh, with running packages, uh, RPO packages. Uh, and he kind of just uh, – took over that game against Purdue in the win. Uh, they couldn't stop the run of Rutgers. So, uh, but in this game uh, last week against Maryland, it was Sikowski that won it, uh, you know, coming in late third quarter for the draw. And uh, so, yeah, he's, he's certainly capable, definitely a different, uh, different type of quarterback than Vidral. But, um, you know, I think there's confidence that he could do a good job there as well. So you guys said uh, running back and receivers, what are we looking at? Who's going to score the points against Nebraska? Well, Bo Melton is Rutgers' best player, uh, wide receiver. He has uh, nine touchdowns this season, uh, six through uh, six uh, receiving-wise. He had two rushing touchdowns this past week against Maryland, which was kind of a new wrinkle uh, in terms of it was uh, reverse, uh, reverse sweeps and pitches uh, that he got the ball, and he was very effective that way. He also has a punt return. So um, getting him involved uh, is, is essential. Um, and then the running back, Isaiah Pacheco, is their best runner. Uh, he's kind of had an up-and-down season, but he had a really good game against uh, Maryland, and he's also a bit of a threat out of the backfield catching the ball. He had five or six catches this past weekend. So those are your two main uh, skill position players uh, to look out for, and I think uh, getting the ball in both of their hands is, is obviously key against Nebraska. So on the defense, how is your defense looking? There – Nebraska just played Minnesota and they, we came into that game. They were giving up 6.82 yards per carry, like the worst team in the nation rushing rush defense. And uh, Nebraska lost that game in case you didn't pay attention. Uh, <laughs> how was your defense as if it matters because our offense doesn't seem to score a lot of points anyway. They, uh, you know, they started the season on fire. Uh, Michigan State, they forced seven takeaways, which was unbelievable. Um, they haven't had nearly that type of success the rest of the season. It's been very much a, it's a cliche, but the bend, uh, don't break mentality. Um, they have given up a lot of points, a lot of yards, but um, they've, they've kept Rutgers in most games. Uh, you know, like I said, I say on the defense, they're more uh, health-wise uh, in question than the offense. Um, you know, you dwell four on the, on the defensive line, get banged up against Maryland. Uh, Fatsukazi, uh, their, their best uh, defensive player, is, is battling uh, an injury. Brendan White, the transfer from Ohio State, he's missed uh, a couple games. We're not quite sure how much he's going to play. Uh, I mean, put it this way, at the end of the game against Maryland, they had a freshman walk-on in the secondary. Uh, that's how uh, banged up the team is right now. Um, but they're much more aggressive under Shiano and former uh, uh, defensive coordinator Rob Smith, who, who was at Rutgers uh, years ago, was at Minnesota most recently. Um, he's back. Uh, you know, a lot of different blitz packages, a lot of different looks they'll give Nebraska. But 
Shiano said yesterday when, when I asked him, you know, the key is stopping the run. They know they have to stop Nebraska's run. Um, and I think it's going to be a challenge. Rutgers struggles with run first teams. Um, Illinois, you know, run, uh, especially quarterbacks that can run. Uh, they've really struggled with, uh, you know, um, against uh, Illinois. They, they, they really struggled. And also Penn State, uh, they couldn't really stop the run. So I think uh, it's certainly going to be a challenge against Nebraska. <laughs> it's like you just described all the things that we're not going to do. Yeah, I, I, I can't explain our offense. I mean, last week against Minnesota, we started the game with a sideways pass that went backwards. And uh, I, I have no idea what we're doing on offense except not scoring points, which is amazingly how you win football games. <laughs> okay, you guys have – you beat Michigan State to start the season. You beat per, Purdue – you beat Maryland, you had a close loss to Illinois, and you took Michigan to triple overtime. I mean, you guys could – you could be at five and what, three? Could be five and two because you you got to play all your games this year, which is – were you the only big team, team to do that? It was uh, – Rutgers was one of three uh, that played all eight games. Um, and, uh, yeah, Shiano had said from the beginning, you know, that was their biggest opponent was staying, staying COVID free and being able to play every week. They, they did have an outbreak over the summer, uh, where the program shut down for two weeks and had to be quarantined. They had over 30 people within the program, uh, you know, get COVID. But I, I, I think that it actually, you know, uh, obviously you don't want people to get sick, but I think it did kind of help the team reassess their commitment during the season. Shiano's kind of pointed to that and they've done a great job of staying healthy and, uh, being on the field and uh you know this is a team that that it's going to take time they need development so having all eight games has really been great for their progress and development um but you know they also played eight big 10 games in eight weeks in a row so uh you know they're they're dragging to the finish line from a you know health and 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 physical standpoint um but at the same time they're, they're pretty fired up for this game uh this would be a chance for i, I know it sounds uh you know, kind of sad, but Rutgers has never won four Big Ten games in a season. So this is, you know, it, it, it might sound uh, kind of sad, but uh, this is their Super Bowl. You know, to win four Big Ten games after what they've been through, not winning a Big Ten game the two previous seasons, uh, you know, it would be kind of a calling card to hold up and be able to show that, you know, the perception's changed and this program is, is far different than they were. So uh, you're, you're going to get their best shot uh, from a, you know, uh, uh, effort standpoint. But uh, like I said, you know, penalties have been a problem. Turnovers have, have come and go, but uh, it's certainly a flawed football team, but uh, they'll, they'll certainly give their best effort on Friday night. Okay. So attitude you just said, you know, this will be their first time they won four games. Immediately, the thought in my head is, well, that's a win for Rutgers because we seem to be really, really good, especially this season, at giving everyone else Christmas presents. So when you look at Rutgers and they go out to play football, I mean, are you, has your attitude changed where you look at them and go, well, they're going to win this game? I mean, when Absolutely. you look at Nebraska coming up, is it your attitude kind of – it had to be really crappy before. It's got to be amazingly better now. I, I used to describe it as joyless football. Uh, <laughs> there was, you know, it was it, it was it was a matter of you know when was the game over, and for most part, it was before halftime. Uh, so you know, uh, you're talking about a program that uh, 
two years ago lost to Kansas football by 41 points. So uh, um, that to me was when, when it was the, the low point. I mean, I, I've said before, they're the unquestioned worst uh, power five team in football the previous two years. So, um, yeah, Purdue was weird because that was the first time I was watching and said, you know what? They're going to win this game. You could just tell the way that the momentum was building in the second half that they were going to win. And and that was a very strange feeling for Rutgers fans, uh, for sure. Uh, I wouldn't say, you know, Rutgers fans are thinking this is definitely going to be a win. I I, I think that we're hopeful, um, but certainly not overconfident. I think, you know, there, there's no... Uh, no question, Nebraska is the more talented team uh, coming into this game. I think it's just a matter of, uh, you know, uh, how how well prepared Rutgers is game plan wise and lately. And just, I think anytime, you know, for, for a program like Rutgers, Nebraska, you know, I think it's still still a name where, you know, a win over that program, whether they haven't won a game or, you know, they're, 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 you're having a good season, it doesn't matter. It still would be a huge victory for a program like Rutgers. I, I've always wanted to ask somebody from Rutgers this, so I'm asking you, I got you here. I mean, how have you been – Nebraska fans are not accustomed to this level of badness over time, you know, I mean, we've been bad at points, but this is now lasting. It's like we're in a desert somewhere dying of thirst. How have <laughs> you been able to maintain being a Rutgers fan when everybody literally, everybody is abusing you uh, repeatedly? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been something. Uh, you know, I've been a fan since the early '80s, and uh, I mean, Rutgers was was bad, uh, but um, you know, decent at times. Then when I, uh, you know, when I was school in the '90s, uh, you know, we, we won eight games my four years there. It was uh, Terry Shea was the head coach, and that was uh, considered the worst era of Rutgers football, which was saying something. And then uh, and then you had Chiano come in a little bit after that. And it took time, you know, five years for him to build the program. But, uh, you know, and then then to see the pro. So it was almost more painful in a way because we finally experienced success, you know, uh, on a, at a certain level of going to a bowl game every year, winning eight games a year. And then when he left, the program just went downhill again. It was uh, mired by scandal. And and then under Ash, you know, uh, being just an awful, awful team and, and, and being on a higher profile in the Big Ten, we certainly took a lot more abuse. Uh, than we were used to, you know, back in the nineties and, you know, it, it, social media, but also not being in as high profile a conference, it was more kind of, uh, you know, uh, low key uh, abuse where uh, being in the big 10, I think there was a lot of anger from certain fan bases of Rutgers, even being in the big 10. So uh, certainly didn't do them. The, uh, Rutgers didn't do themselves any favors uh, in terms of being welcomed by how they handled themselves with, you know, a lot of scandals and losing and uh, just being embarrassing on the field and off. So I, I did understand the backlash a little bit, but, um, you, you know, uh, not to, to, to go off on too much of a tangent, but we had the same issues with basketball as well. So we got it on both ends for, for years. And uh, it's certainly uh, been a fun time the last year or two seeing having, having hope on both sides. Um, but yeah, uh, I would say that, uh, 
not from my my personal standpoint, but I think uh, we have a lot of distractions here. You know, there's a, a lot of pro, uh, professional sports teams too. So with the Giants and uh, uh, you know baseball with the, the Yankees, you know, a lot of Rutgers fans are fans of good professional teams. Um, so I think that maybe helped a little bit. Um, but for me, I was just a tortured soul. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I might be referring to myself to that. Well, we'll see what happens. You know, I mean, it's kind of interesting, the uh, dichotomy between us, because, I mean, you have, you're going to have positive thoughts. I, I think pretty much no matter what, if you win or lose this game in Nebraska, I think Nebraska fans are looking at, you know, if we lose this game, we're going to have to endure nine months of just really bad attitudes and I hate to be, you know, selfish, but I have to run a website that's based on Nebraska football and bad <laughs> attitudes for nine months. So you better damn well lose. Okay. I don't, I can't, you've been dealing with bad things for years, just one more week or nine more months to hell with you. Do you want to make a prediction? Well, first I'll say I can offer my services from a uh, therapeutic perspective if, if you do lose, because I know what it's like to run a website where your team is awful and there's nothing good to write about uh, and you're just grasping for straws on something good to cover. So I totally get that. Um, yeah, you know, I, I hadn't really thought about a prediction yet, but I, I do think Nebraska is going to win. You know, I really do. I think it'll be a close game. Um, and uh, I, I think – I, I think it'll probably be in the twenties. Uh, it's going to be for what it's worth. You know, now that the game's Friday night, it's going to be extremely cold. Uh, I think it's going to be, you know, in, in the teens weather wise, uh, you know, anywhere from 15 to 20 degrees. We're supposed to get another interesting. We're supposed to get over a foot of snow uh, Wednesday night into Thursday. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see when Nebraska actually gets in to New Jersey. Um, but uh, it's going to be cold. So I think it's going to be, uh, I don't expect a shootout by any means. And uh I think Nebraska wins 27-20. Uh, you know what? I, I never pick against Nebraska because I'm that kind of guy. You know, they, my, my, my fandom, my hope re relies on somewhat homerism and somewhat being the, honestly, the a, a Pollyanna-type optimist that, you know, yeah, this is the day, this is the – game this is the moment <laughs> we're down by 83 points we're gonna pull this out <laughs> you know i do that all the time and it's really i i run coronation because uh doing this is cheaper than hiring mental health care <laughs> i understand that yeah you know i'd say 20 you're probably right i'd see if i wanted it's going to be a complete homer i'd say 45 to 21 nebraska because for me, I think we're going to score over 40 points every game because that's where we win. If we score 40 points, we're going to win. But we don't. We don't score 40 points. We score like 20. So I'd go 24-23 Nebraska just because, you know, there you go. All right. Is there anything else you need to add on the, on the behalf of Rutgers <laughs> uh... before we go? No, I think you, you actually said something very, very, uh, that you hit the nail on the head in terms of no matter what happens in this game, unless it's a, you know, 50 to nothing blowout, I think it's going to be hard for Rutgers fans to, to not have anything but a, 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 you know, a great taste in their mouth, so to speak, for this season in terms of where we've been and where, where we're going. Uh, it's going to take a while, but I think, uh, you know, it's certainly been uh, a, a great, you know, the, 
how about this? The best three or four win season, <laughs> uh, the most celebrated three or four win season of all time, maybe uh, in terms of how Rutgers fans look at it. So I think uh, as long as they're competitive on Friday, uh, obviously a win would be huge. Uh, and I think perception wise, certainly. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, uh, you know, Rutgers fans can't, can't really complain with how the season's gone. So um, it should be, should be an interesting game, but I, I, I do think, uh, you know, it, it, it will be close, but yeah, I think, uh, I think Nebraska will win it. Yeah. You say that, but then you said that thing earlier that we never won four game, four big 10 games. That, that's it. We're done. We're going to be out of here. I'm going to be finished with this and then spend the whole rest of the week freaking depressed because that line there alone means that you're probably winning this game. It does like the saddest podcast kind of, well, I guess on my side. Hey, who, who knows? Maybe maybe if a draw on one leg, we'll go out there and throw you know four touchdowns and 500 passing yards against Nebraska, and you know that'll that'll really uh, sit well with with Husker fans. <laughs> I, I I highly doubt it, but you're making me think. You're giving me optimism now. That's what's going to happen. I hope your dreams are crushed, buddy. <laughs> okay, this has been John's post life crisis. We thank Aaron Brightman from On the Banks for joining us giving us this uplifting, cheery look at the upcoming game with Rutgers. (laughs) Thank you for listening and go Big Red.